Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and I'm sitting next to the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, they're always, every day in this building is good build, uh, good day, but when there's a practice or there's actual football going on, it's even better day. Well, I'll, I'll say this. It's week two of these OTAs. It's a four-week process. The final week is minicamp, and I like seeing the improvement, how things evolve from week to week, and we saw some stuff today. You could see more crispness, mm-hmm. I thought, in certain areas anyway. And like I said last week, Deshaun Watson getting all these first-team reps in OTAs. We mentioned it first time this Mm -hmm. franchise quarterback has gotten these first-team reps and the first time that you've had a franchise quarterback getting the first-team reps in OTAs since 2016 for this club. It's going to be so helpful. The seeds planted today will be harvested in September. Yeah, there's no question. And we'll hear from a number of the particulars in the next segment. We'll hear from Bill O'Brien. You'll hear from Deontay Foreman, Jonathan Joseph, they went to the podium today. Oh, and also Kiki QT went to the podium as well. So we'll have a little bit of sound from all of them. And then Drew Doherty will join us for our In the Lab segment, which we went we went a little bit in the way back machine, Mark, because we've got a really cool uh, a cool segment. Oh, segment's the right word. We've got a cool thing coming out on Texans.com, HoustonTexans.com, the Texans 100 top moments. And Drew and I... On, in the lab, we decided to go in the Wayback Machine and come up with a few of them that, uh, that, were, that were our own that we talked about right. that we would put on there. Whether they make the list or not, we're, we're, not the, we're not the full committee, but there are a few that were up there. You didn't talk about some of the ones on the bubble, huh? No, we didn't, go, we didn't get into the bubble analysis yeah. not yet anyway. To get outside the 100. Well, that top 100 list, by the way, organizational moments, so it's not just football right. stuff. covers everything. Covers everything, covers hurricane relief, covers things like that that the Texans were heavily involved in as an organization as well as on-field moments, mostly on-field moments, though. There are some good ones, but we mm-hmm. we kind of went into the stories, and Drew's first one, well, I don't want to take it away, but his first one had to do with a Monday night football game in the state of Ohio. Okay. I, I know which one that is, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, and it was a, it was a pretty good one. To that. That's a pretty good one for me, too. That's a very good one. That's that was way up there for me. That was a – that was a – and – for me, it was one of those where I was looking at it right. I was right there. I was like five yards away mm-hmm. from seeing it happen, and it was just a considering how that season was going and what everybody thought about that game. It was uh, it was pretty impressive. It was a game changer. It was a life changer for some, really. What was that game? We'll talk about that later mm-hmm. in the show. But OTAs today, and Mark, they're always as we watch OTAs, and yes, it's a passing camp, and so. The majority of the offense, defensive linemen, we don't talk too much about. I am going to talk about one outside linebacker after a little bit who I think in the two OTAs that we've seen, I think he looks really, really good, and we'll get to him in just a second. Mm. But the the pass catchers, the passes, you talked about Deshaun Watson. As you watched practice today, was there anything or anybody that stood out to you where you went, okay, yeah, that guy looks really good? Well, I always like looking at rookies – last year Mm -hmm. and the year one to year two jump which it's to be fair you can't expect it to happen right away at OTAs this is their first taste of team action on the practice field and you want to see if it happens really during the season of course but as they get into training camp and have a few more practices under their belt but I really enjoyed watching Vincent Smith yes you know we talked to him we had him on the show uh, to see what he's doing out there taking advantage of all these reps he's getting with Will Fuller not back yet and things like that and then you look at Jordan Thomas about those four touchdown catches last year and it just stands out especially when you're up close with him and, and you're down on the sideline when we're doing these broadcasts yep. but to be on the practice field 
and see him operate as big as he is with those hands. And, look, we see it on video, so it's not like I'm breaking any news here. But to see it up close live is really something because that big body, you know, and we had him in here in studio. We were talking about it with him. He, he just works on it so much, having the hands. You can tell some of that is natural ability as yes. well, but he puts the time in. And to see someone with a body that size, who's 280 or whatever he is, being able to catch the ball that softly, and Watson's ability to get the ball where it needs to be, away from the defender, yep. up high, he's going to be a tough cover, Johnny, because with Jordan Thomas, if the routes are run right and the throws are there and everything, and you get enough time, uh, and maybe it's a quick throw, I don't know, maybe you don't need that much time, but Jordan Thomas is going to be hellacious eventually for people to guard, to cover, because it doesn't matter if you're all over him. He can still get to the football. It, in that way, he could be – look, I'm not saying he's Gronk. Right. But he could be Gronk-like because Gronk is like that where he's tall and you get the ball outside and high and away right. from the defender even though the defender's on him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to cover him like you would cover most tight ends in this league. He's taller and bigger than every defensive back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's nobody going to be bigger and taller than him. So if he's matched up one-on-one and the ball is thrown in a spot where only he gonna, he's going to catch it, and that's what you worry about He's sometimes. got a good shot to catch it. Right. A lot of tight ends his size or similarly they size, the hands. they wouldn't have the hands to get to it, but he's got those hands. And by the way, you mentioned uh, he'll be bigger than any defensive back. I would love Everybody. to see a defensive back as big and tall as him. Hey, we have a 275-pound safety ready to rock. I have. There's Not there's happen. one there's one guy that I think could do it. One guy that I think <laughs> at his size could do it. You know exactly who I'm talking about and who I'm thinking about. That's Jadeveon Clowney. Clowney's the only guy that would even have a chance. Matches up size-wise. And I don't know how many times going into a playoff game is like, well, how do you cover Gronk or how, you know, when we played him? Somebody suggested putting Clowney out there, and I was like, look, you're not going to put Clowney out there. It's just not what he does. That's not right. his thing. But if you had to, could he do it? He probably could figure it out. He probably could figure it but, out. But here's the thing is, you know, offense, they know where they're going. Defense, right. you have to react. So the reaction speed has to be – you have to have a faster guy in lateral quickness, right. reaction time than the receiver is – just to enable him to catch up or have a chance to catch up to whatever move the receiver slash tight end is making. Right. And that's why some bigger guys like Clowney have a difficult time covering a tight end. And look, the, the Clowney is not asked to cover tight ends, but I'm just thinking if you were thinking of a guy yeah. that the only guy that I've ever seen that could probably do that would be, would be J.D. You know, fade pattern maybe or something Ma- like that. Maybe, mm. maybe. But these tight ends are going to be a problem. Yeah, they're they going are. to be a problem. We heard from Waring at the podium today. I know you're going to probably yeah. have something from him. And yeah. uh, I don't know his exact pronunciation yet. I will get it for you because it's not Kaimi Fairbairn's full name <laughs> length, but it's it's a long name. All right, it's the up full there. name. It's an island type name, and I will have it for you soon enough. <laughs> well, I sent you the other day. I sent you a a, a text, a mm-hmm. picture. Of the graduating class of the Village School in 2019. Oh, yeah. I sent you that. Your daughter's school. <laughs> My daughter's school. Yeah. Which, all of a sudden, you you see these names that are, I'm, I mean, some are 30 letters long. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And then May Harris. <laughs> when she graduates, yeah. that'll happen. But these tight ends are going to be a problem. They're going to be a big problem. And Bill O'Brien was at the podium. He's asked about Jordan Thomas. And he said, well, he's got some room still to grow. But he's taken a lot of strides. Yeah, I definitely think he's made progression. He's uh, he's worked very hard. He's uh, you know, anytime you play as a rookie, you know that's that can be good and bad. I mean, you go through some tough times, and 
you know, it's a lot different than, you know, playing at Mississippi State. And and then he, you know, he did some good things for us last year, and he's come back here in the off-season program, and he's, and he's had a, a decent spring. He's got a long way to go to be where he wants to be and where we need him to be, but he's definitely made a lot of progress. You talked about his big body, Mark, and mm. I – that's – it's so evident, and I remember when we sat here on draft day, and you're like, "Well, they've gotten their, you know, their their blocking tight end." I was like, "Wait, hold on." He was a wide receiver at Mississippi State. Yeah. He with Jordan Akins, with Kyle Waring, those three, and even Darren Fells. Watch Darren Fells today run routes, catch the football. It, you know, he sat here and he told us, "Look, what I do best is block. I'm okay with that. It's my role." But if you get a guy like that catching the football the way he was today, Darren Fells. And somebody asked me, I think Sean Pendergast asked me, about how many tight ends make this team. And I was like, I can't see any of them not making the team because all of them can bring something different to the party, which could make that group really eclectic and different. Something's got to give numbers-wise, though. You have I know. four tight ends on the roster. Somebody was asking me about Joe Webb today when, I, when we were watching practice, and I said, well, look, I just can't see them carrying fewer than three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And with Webb, at least he's doing something for you. He's playing special teams. And I know a lot of teams would deactivate that third guy, right. keep him on the roster. I hate having two only because if you lose your starter, you're automat- You're in stress mode anyway. Okay, yeah. so I get it. But you, you are one snap away from the third guy playing. And if the third guy's not on your roster, you're in deep you-know-what because yeah. you have to sign him that Monday or Sunday get him in, get him up to speed, and it's a real dangerous situation. Unfortunately, we've seen that unfold here. So I think Webb's going to find his way onto the roster again, assuming everything's still there health-wise, special teams, prowess, and all of that. Uh, you know, I, I just love seeing him operate. But, yeah, you know, you look at those tight ends, Johnny. Four, yeah, it sounds like a lot to some people. I mentioned, I think, last week that I had a big debate with McLean about it. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll bring this up again tomorrow with him. Uh, I'm going to actually start going through some of these numbers. I have last year's prediction and the way it turned out with the 53-man roster. I'm not going to predict the whole roster, but I just want to see how much room there might be to keep four tight ends because you're right. You'd love to see all these guys make it, and you still have some other bodies on the roster as well in that position group. What will be interesting is, and I know the offensive line, you want to be as solid as you can be there, but if you had to in a pinch put Darren Pells at tackle, you might be able to get away with it for a little bit. Yeah, you know, for a few for snaps a or whatever. Bit. You don't want to have to see that, but right. he can do it in a pitch. Oh, my gosh. I hope we don't have to see that. No. Back to Vincent Smith. He, I think of anybody, especially today, his comfort level mm-hmm. from one year's time, you talked about going from rookie year to second year. It looks different. You saw it, and we saw it with Kiki QT, the first OTA. You see it again today. But you could tell. There's no Hopkins. There's no Fuller. You could tell that Deshaun, when he got in a situation where he liked the matchup, with he was going to Vincent. He had a lot of trust in Vincent, which was which was cool to see. But you can see the confidence continue to grow in Vincent because he knows where to be. He knows where to go. He understands the offense a little bit more. But you talk about that rookie to second year jump. I thought Vincent looked really, and he caught it in. All different kinds of fashions. A little, that was little the short thing. outs. He caught it deeper down the field. The he route running. It's really, really good. The route running. And the world's going to see it in these preseason games. You're going to see that he's improved as a route runner. And he made the 53-man roster, made some plays last year. Yeah. But he might get more opportunities this year. Look, you'd love to stay perfectly healthy with the top three guys and take it from there. But as we've seen, you do need as many as you can possibly get of these playmakers. But I like watching Watson throw the football. Oh, this man. just in. Because he threw some passes today where – the receiver, the break was so 
early compared to where the throw was, you thought, oh, there's no way. Oh, wait, he caught it, yeah. you know, because they have timing that they're developing during these sessions. And that's where I go back to these first team reps he's getting. That's really going to help this offense once they get to camp. I loved, loved watching Warren Moon throw the football. It was so effortless and so easy, and the ball would travel 40 yards on a line. Mm-hmm. I loved watching Warren Moon throw the ball. I didn't think I would ever watch anybody and go, I like that guy. I like watching that guy throw the ball better than Warren Moon. And I feel that way with Deshaun. Really? It's so It's not the smooth. same kind of no, thing. It, no, it's not. They're, no, they're, they're different kinds of throwers. Yeah. Uh, and I should say passers. Thrower makes it seem as if they're they're inaccurate, but they're different kinds of passers. Yeah, isn't that a negative term when you're evaluating a quarterback? Yeah, he's a thrower. He's a thrower. He's yeah. a thrower. Yeah, you you want a passer, and so yeah. I wanted to make sure I didn't say it that way, but it's just Deshaun makes it look so effortless and easy yeah. no matter what throw he is making. And then when he needs to drive one, he threw one today in practice. I thought broke J. Joe's hand. <laughs> J. Joe was in a in a – in a coverage in which he was kind of in front of the receiver. And then the receiver tried to move, and J.J. went with him. And so he saw the receiver's eyes, and he looked back, and Deshaun was firing it. I mean, it was on a rope, about 20 or 25 yards. And J.J. got his hand in to break it up. And I just saw his hand kind of ricochet back, and I went, whoa. That ball had some Remember, heat remember two on years it. ago, people were talking about, well, does he have the velocity? Yeah, because the arm strength. At the combine, the arm strength wasn't <laughs> come on. It's ridiculous. I mentioned earlier, the outside linebacker that, I, that has really impressed me. You would think since being here in 20, 2012 that, okay, Whitney Merciless, OTAs, you know, he's been around, he's done this. I think Witt looks really good. I think Witt looks he wants really a big year. good. I mean, they all do, but he he has this look about him, doesn't he? He does. Making I mean, plays today. He looks he looks fresh. And look, you don't want to overreact to OTAs and no pads and everything, but it it looked good to see him out there. Just his juice, his explosiveness, mm-hmm. everything that you want in a in an edge rusher. It feels like Whitney's shown it, and now obviously that's the that has to uh, transition into training camp, but. Man, I, I think he is. I think he has looked really, really good. He's been, he's looked good. You know, Bill O'Brien talked about you can see some things with the wide receivers and OTAs, and you can see some things with the defensive backs. You know, you can't yep. get overly physical, but you can get physical enough where you can see some of these matchups yep. and how these guys would do. But he said something this week that he also said last week, which is, I want to see how they learn. Not necessarily. Well, you do want to see them learn clearly. Right. I mean, that's that's number one. But how they learn the pace at which they learn. Are they are they learning? Are right. they is it taking too long for them to get something? Are they absorbing it quickly? How they learn is a big factor here and I listen carefully to his words. They're watching this uh, because you know they want to see the guys who are able to absorb and, and acclimate to whatever they're trying to do here at the next level. And by the next level I mean if you're a rookie going into year 2 or if you're a rookie right now going into your first year and all of that. We will hear from Bill O'Brien, Kahale Waring, Deontay Foreman, Kiki QT, Jonathan Joseph, Max Sharping, all next right here on Texans All Access. Today we got a chance to see the team in action at OTA. Well, for us it's number two, but I believe it was OTA number five for the team as they get it going a few days after Memorial Day. And the players and Coach O'Brien went to the podium today. So let's hear from them. Let's start with Coach Bill O'Brien, and he talked about Deshaun Watson's improvement early on at OTAs. He has a better grasp, obviously. Every every day he works hard at, at 
getting better and better at mastering our offense, uh, understanding what we're doing, and then um, you know understanding defenses. I think you, you know with experience and all the reps that he's that he's had, whether it's in games or obviously in practices, he gets better and better because he works hard at it. So I think all those things will lead to um, you know very very consistent play for any player, and uh, he's done a good job of you know stacking days upon days of getting better. One group that certainly has to get better is this group of rookies. And Coach was very straightforward when he said this about the rookies thus far in OTAs. I think all the rookies got a long way to go. I think they got a long way to go. Um, I think they're working hard. I think it's a a group of good guys. But uh, I would say that uh, they've got a long way to go, the whole group. Look, that's to be expected. When you make that first year to second year jump, that's when you start to see the confidence coming in. Look, even when you're in that second year, you've got a long way to go. But the rookies do. They get to this point right now. There's a lot being thrown at them. They do have, they have a long way to go. And it's about that time during OTAs where we, we hear Bill O'Brien say that. Of course, it's a temper expectation, but also to say to the rookies, look, time to step up. The vets are here. They know what it takes. You've got to get on their level, not the other way around. So good stuff there from Coach O'Brien. All right, let's get to... One of those guys making the first year to second year jump, and that's Kiki QT. And he said with no Hopkins and no Fuller, he's getting a lot of time to create that synergy with Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, no doubt. You know, the more reps you can get, the better. You know, uh, just working on that connection with uh, Deshaun, you know, that's what the OTAs is for, you know, just to get the small things down. So just, um, just get all that timing down right now has been uh, very good. And Kiki certainly has a plan for when he gets the ball in his hand. Uh, honestly, every time I touch the ball, I'm looking to score. But, you know, obviously that doesn't happen. But, you know, just to make routine plays as well, you know, just any way to help this team. The two OTAs that we've gotten to see, the two guys, rookie to second-year wide receivers that have made the leap, Vincent Smith and Kiki QT, are seemingly making it. Obviously, they've got a long way to go. Coach mentioned that about the rookies. Every player's got a long way to go. But you can see where it's really benefiting both Vincent Smith and Kiki QT to be on the field consistently to create, as Kiki said, that combination, that connection with Deshaun Watson. And you can tell that he feels pretty comfortable with those two guys. He has some experience with them, and that helps. That really helps, especially during OTAs, to get that down now and work on that now for when you get to training camp. It's just is happening second nature because then you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins out there and Will Fuller, and hopefully you have both of them. My, 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 my guess is my thought is that you will. But you'll have both of them out there. But you've created that synergy with him that he knows he feels comfortable with you, that Hop's covered, uh, Will's covered, okay, Kiki or Vincent. That's what you want to be able to do. And Kiki obviously has been doing that, and Vincent definitely was doing that today. Now, a guy that you would think he's been around OTAs for such a long time, there's not a whole lot for Jonathan Joseph to really grasp, you would think. But that's not the way the veteran feels. He said, look, I've been around, but there's still a lot that I can get out of OTAs. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, I think, um, you know, for me, just going out there with new guys, you know, just getting our camaraderie together because us in the back end, you know, we have to always be on the same page. Communication goes a long way. And just getting to know one another, you know, obviously from being in the classroom, the weight room and things like that. But playing together goes a long way also. One of the things I love about Jonathan is it doesn't matter whether it's OTAs in the middle of spring session or it's a training camp practice or it's late in the game against Philadelphia on the road. He treats each situation as if it's the last play that he's ever going to play. And there was a play today during OTAs where 
he thought he could have made the play, and he was kind of over by us by the sideline. He was kind of like, yeah, man. He's kind of getting upset with himself. And he said, look, I compete. That's what I like to do. I'm uh, just being competitive. I like to compete, you know, um, you know, whether it's in practice, in game situations. That's what get me going each and every time I'm out there. Never want to lose a rep. Always looking to beat the guy across from me. And, you know, at the end of the day, just being around the guys in this locker room, being around the game of football itself. If there is any lesson that rookies can take from watching the veterans, I think that's it. No matter the rep, no matter when it is, no matter where it is, win that rep. And then win the next one. And win the next one. And look, as Kiki said about scoring every time he touches it, that's impossible. But if you, if you think of football in that way and you have that philosophy, no matter what, win the rep. If you do that, as Coach O'Brien said, you start stacking them together for long, you're going to be a guy that's around an NFL football team for a very long time. So whether it's OTAs, whether it's training camp, win the rep. I think Jonathan puts it perfectly right there. Now, a guy that I know a lot of people in this area are very excited about and and should be. Second-year guy. I say second-year guy. Third-year guy. Out of the University of Texas from, trip, uh, from Texas City is Deontay Foreman. And last year, unfortunately, was the lost year for Deontay because of the Achilles. And, and we worried about that because of the timing of when the Achilles injury happened back in 2017. And then going into 2018, he played in that Philadelphia game. That was the only game he played. He scored a touchdown on a reception. But he mentioned in his press conference today, you know, I didn't really have a great game up to that point, so I don't really remember it too much. But he still is confident going into 2019, hey, I got a lot to bring to this team. I'm a confident dude. I know what I can bring. And hopefully my teammates and coaches find that out in 2019 as well. Oh, yeah. I've always, you know, been a guy that, uh, you know, was very confident in myself and confident in what I could do and what I could bring to the team. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely confident in that. Uh, I guess it's exciting to say that uh, I feel like my coaches and, you know, are excited about me coming in, uh, you know, just the work that I put in in the offseason and what I'm putting out there right now. You know, like I said, it's, it's just kind of the beginning. Uh, so we got a long way before we get to the season. But, uh, you know, we just got to continue to stack good days on top of good days. Now, throughout all of last year, throughout OTAs, throughout training camp, throughout the season, we got asked the question, what about Deontay Foreman? How does he look? How does he feel? What's going on with him? I mean, people wanted to ask that question every single time we had that forum, whether it was Cooler Talk, whether it was radio, whether it didn't matter. People wanted to know about Deontay Foreman. So at this point in OTAs, Deontay, you tell him. How are you feeling? So I was talking to somebody else about that, uh, and I was telling him, like, man, I, I felt coming into this season or, you know, this OTA, um, I felt way better than I even felt coming into any season that I had at the University of Texas, possibly even high school, to be honest. I mean, I just, I guess, uh, like I said earlier, um, basically with the injury that I went through and just the ups and downs I went through, like, you know, when you have an injury like that early, you know, you can tell that this game come and go. You know, like anybody can get injured and, you know, you could be at your high and then be at the lowest at, in a split second. So, um, you know, just me being able to understand that, you know, I just wanted to come out and, you know, put everything on the line and, you know, have a great offseason. We heard from Coach O'Brien talking about the rookies still have a long way to go. But a couple of rookies stepped up to the podium today to handle some questions from the Houston media for the first time. And let's start with Max Sharping, who has been playing tackle, has been playing guard, he's been playing both sides, he's all over the place. He's versatile. 
So how does it help him? I mean, I'm just trying to do the best I can. So when I go in there, you know, they tell me to go in that guard tackle, whatever. It's just doing the best that I can do at, at that position. And you expected a different answer. That was the answer he was supposed to give, and he gave a good answer. Now, one answer I thought that was very interesting was the difference in playing tackle versus guard. This is pretty interesting, especially coming from a rookie who's played his entire career at NIU, I think minus a few games at guard, he played at right tackle and mostly left tackle. It's a pretty interesting answer to the question of what really is different about it. Yeah, I mean, everything just kind of happens quicker inside. You know, you don't have as much space as you do at tackle. So it's just a little bit, everything happens just a little bit faster. But like I said, I, I tried to train a little bit, but obviously these guys are pretty good. So I like that last part. These guys are pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> everybody in the NFL is pretty good. I think Max is finding that out. But the big boy can hold his own. There's no doubt about that. Last guy we're going to hear from is... Well, I'll let him tell you what his first name is. My full first name is Kahali Kuyo Kalani. And I can handle last name, Waring. That's Kahali Waring giving his first name. Now, it's not Kaimi's middle name, but was interesting that uh, he was asked that today. Now, both the rookies and the veterans had a chance to hear from Marcus Luttrell, who is just an unbelievable speaker, an American hero, He's a guy that's been in this building a number of times. I, I think he actually was on a, a team flight one time, and he's just very highly thought of in this building. And The rookies had a chance to hear from him, I believe, yesterday or early this morning and the veterans later today. But here's what Kali had to say about Marcus Luttrell talking to them. Um, it was awesome. Uh, American hero. Um, he taught us a lot of different things. You know, taught us his story and uh, taught us ways that um, his path can help, help us as a football team. When Kahali was drafted on Friday night, we were talking to him. I mentioned when I saw him, I, I thought of Travis Kelsey, and I said, look, that's, that's a mouthful that I, I see Travis Kelsey in you. And one of the things that he said back to me was, look, I study tight ends. This is what I do. I really kind of dive in and I study tight ends. There are actually a couple of different guys that he mentioned that he watches to pattern his game after. Yeah, I mean, I'm, um, I study tight ends. I watch every single one. Um, that I hear about and I study and I see what they do well and I try to do, do the things that they do well and, uh, and that's something that helps me in my game. So there you go. A lot of sound from today's press conference after OTA number five. Our second opportunity to see the team in action. We'll have another opportunity next week and then mini camp the week after that. And then the desert, as Mark affectionately calls it, the time frame when coaches and players are all out of the building and we get ready for training camp. I like the desert because to me, when that's over, training camp is here. It's, it's coming soon, people. It's coming sooner than you think. Coming sooner than you think. Now, it's the 100th anniversary for the NFL this year, and teams throughout the league are doing a celebration using a number 100. So we figured we'd get involved as well, and we came up with a feature that we're calling the Texans Top 100 Moments. Not only on the field, but off the field, what we've done in the community with charity endeavors, anything and everything related to the Texans fall into uh, this category. Drew Dory and I on our In the Lab podcast decided that, well, we were going to go in the Wayback Machine and talk about a few of our favorite moments and whether they should make the Texans Top 100 moments. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you on this Wednesday evening, a beautiful evening no matter where you are. Hopefully you all are safe and sound. There was some bad weather that's been going through Oklahoma, uh, I think out into the Panhandle. So you guys be safe. We're thinking about y'all. I know I got some friends up in Tulsa. 
I know they've been going through it. So uh, you guys all stay safe uh, at this time of year. I know it's been really, really tough. I think we've had tornadoes in the U.S. for 12 straight days. And that's just, oh, it's crazy. So you guys in the Midwest, you guys take care of yourself. Now, I mentioned in the last segment that we are this year, it's the 100th anniversary of the NFL. And so teams are engaging in top 100 moments, players, all that kind of stuff. So we decided to get involved with our own, calling it Texans Top 100 Moments. And Drew Doherty and I, just on our Into Lab podcast, decided to talk about some that matter to us that we think will be in this 100, that we'd like to see in the 100. And it's sort of merged into Into Lab story time. Hope you enjoy. Here's Drew and I on Into Lab. Today we're talking about a few, and this is, here, let me set the parameters. It's going to be our remembrance, our personal experience of a few Texans top 100 moments. Mm -hmm. What? What's a Texans top 100 moment? Oh, well, friends. Glad you asked. Here pretty soon in the next week or so, we'll be 100 days away from the season opener. Right. Monday Night Football against the Saints in New Orleans. So... To celebrate that, in union with the 100th uh, anniversary of the league, the NFL, we're going to have a countdown of sorts, you know, the 100 moments in, mm-hmm. in Texans history. Now, it's kind of a nebulous thing. It's just top moments. You know, yeah. We're not saying it's a definitive ranking. Not best, greatest, just, you know, you're right. It's not really a rank. It's just these were moments that happened that we think were worthy of celebration and since it's the 100th year anniversary of the NFL, come up with 100. Look, we've been a, we've been an organization since, two, well, even before that, because I would imagine one of the moments, if not very, very high on the list. October in 99. Yeah, happened before any of the football was played, before the Texans' name was uh, came into existence. Um, there were moments before that. So it covers everything. You might see on this list, you might see, um, the celebration of community events, the yeah. celebration of Salute to Service Day, which right. was one of the uh, – I think I think uh, Bob McNair was the first owner who would come up with that, and it was taken over by the NFL right. uh, to salute our servicemen. It's so, kind of all-encompassing. Right. So it covers it's, everything. It's mainly football. I mean, we're not going to go overboard. Well, yeah, it's all connected. You yeah. know, four, 45 of those – you know, it's going to be mainly – Right. Football things. We'll, we'll sprinkle in a few stuff like you're talking about. But what I want to start with, and I'm not going to reveal where on the list it is, but I'm going to go with the Hopkins touchdown catch at Cincinnati mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football in 2015. Texans went into that game. They were underwater, man. They were struggling. Yep. Two and five, I believe it was. They were three and five because they, had, three and they five? were two and five going into the Tennessee game. Right before the break. Okay. And what I remember about that Tennessee game was Whitney going off. Mm-hmm. Whitney had like three and a half sacks that day and just sacked Zach Mettenberger all over. I mean, it was well, let's ugly. not get it. Oh, let's but get that got us to three yeah. and five. That got us to three and five. So the Texans are still they're, they're still under 500 by quite a bit. Bengals are undefeated. Mm-hmm. It's about midseason, and we weren't the Texans were not supposed to win this game. Not at all. But then what happens, John? Tell me about what you saw. Well, I was – I just remember – there's so many different things about that game. But I remember – I remember Brian Hoyer sliding. We, we were down – we were uh, we were down six to nothing. And 
Brian Hoyer on a third quarter drive. It was a good drive, and Hoyer got a drive going. But on on a scramble, he slid, and when he slid, he got hit. And he popped right back up and went back to the huddle and finished the drive. We kicked the field goal, made it 6-3. to three. And next thing I know, Hoyer's going into the locker room. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. The next guy on the list is TJ Yates. Uh-huh. And TJ had been in the had been back in the building for what th- three weeks maybe at that point. Yep, he had the bye week. I remember that. I remember he had the bye week, so he maybe been there three weeks. Because Mallet had been discarded. Yeah, Mallet had been discarded, and TJ had come along. So yeah, you're right. So Mallet was gone. That was after the Miami game. That's when we went to two and five. So he had been back for like three weeks. Now he had had some experience with it before because he had been in training camp with with the Texans while Bill O'Brien was here. I'll never forget his first throw. They ran a little mini boot, and he rolls to the right, and I swear to you, he threw the ball. It was about a 10-yard throw, and he threw the ball five yards into the dirt. <laughs> and I just remember, I remember, you know, I'm always in queue with Mark, and so I can, that's become one of my favorite things to do is I try and make them crack up if I can while they're talking. And I did that last year in a Dallas game. I'll get to that in a second. But I just was like, oh, God. And that's all I said was, like, oh, God. And then it was like, this is going to be a disaster. Well, then on third down, he hit a big throw to Ryan Griffin for a first down and moved him down. And then uh, I don't think they scored in that drive, but they moved it well enough that they got the ball back in the fourth quarter. And so they were in man coverage, single safety high, and Hop is right next to me. And he's got Pac-Man Jones one-on-one. And this was before teams were really putting and devoting two guys to Hopkins. Yeah. They should have done it before, but Hop runs he runs Hopkins by me. his breakout year, by the way. He runs by me. And I could just tell by the coverage I knew where TJ was going. So when TJ backed up, he's holding the safety with his eyes. And as Hop runs by me, I was like, Go get it, Hop because I knew it was coming to him. And then Yates just lofts it and I just see this ball going over and you see there's a picture of me and I'm just like <gasps> looking at the ball. And Hop makes this catch. And what was fascinating was my angle. I remember they reviewed it because they wanted to see whether he got both feet down. What was fascinating about that catch was when he makes the catch, he kind of cradles against his body. When he was getting his feet down in bounds, his right foot was behind his left, so he got his left in bounds. But when he went to go put his right down, he clicked it on his on his left heel. And it was like, oh, no, he's not going to get it down. And then he was able – that slowed his foot down, and so he was able to then just pop it back down and get the right toe in bounds and make the catch. And I happened to see that – He's a wizard with like, that stuff. I I saw that perfectly from like me to you. I was not far away. I was maybe five seven yards away, and I saw that. So Mark throws it down at me. Like I was in the mosh pit with the players. So what happens on Monday Night Football is they've got two rolling cameras on Monday Night Football. When you're on the road and there's not a Monday Night game, like I have all kinds of room on the sidelines. Like you you know what it's like. And yeah. There's there's all kinds of room. Monday Night Football they've got these little the rolling cameras on both sides. So there was a rolling camera, like, down on the goal line. So when Hop makes the catch, I go nuts. And so I start kind of going down. Like, I'm celebrating. So I'm looking back at, like, at the sidelines. And then I look back, and that rolling thing is, like, I'm, like, right up against it. Like, I can't, I can't really move. And all the players are coming, like, into me. So there's, like, this big mosh pit. And I'm literally, like, right in the middle of it. And I'm just going nuts. And I'm, like. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm freaking out, and Mark throws it down to me. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just, like, I've lost my voice. 
I don't know what to say. And then I remembered, oh, my God, I saw him get his feet in bounds. And so I was able to, like, transition into that and say he definitely got his feet in bounds. This is what I was – I was five yards away. I tell the story about how I saw him click his feet in bounds. Got in the locker room after the game, and it was – it was such a loud. It was such a joyous locker room. Well, that's really what I cool. want to. That's what I want to talk about. It was really cool, and I was, I was kind of going up and shaking hands with everybody before the media got in there. And I got to Dwayne Brown. I'll never forget. And Dwayne smiled. And he looked at me. He goes, "I saw you, bro." And I was like, "What?" He goes, "I saw you celebrating with us." I was like, "Oh man, I'm so sorry." He goes, "No, no, dude, that was really cool." And I was like, "Dude, I got trapped in there." And, like, all you guys, like, ended up, like, kind of pinning me up against the camera, basically. And he goes, no, dude, I thought it was really cool that you were in there. So, uh, I think it was interesting because me, Dwayne and I had a really good relationship years after I had my little freak out about him being drafted. But I think that moment was kind of like, you know, this dude really wants us to win. Like, he wants us to win. He's all for us. And so, I think that probably resonated with him. But that was the one that I, I, I remember that distinctly because I was able to see that so clearly. Well, it was, it was, it was so incredible. much fun because – you mentioned how there, there were a few games under 500, but two of those losses had come in the month before in a two, three-week span a brutal at Miami, at Atlanta, where they just got carpet-bombed. I mean, they brutal. lost something like 80-something to 20. It was like 41 and nothing horrible. Atlanta. Oh, and so brutal. I was uh, – you talk about being in the locker room. I was – it felt a lot like – and the situation was totally different, but it felt – and there were so many similarities to – the playoff win, or excuse me, the uh, the win to get into the playoffs yeah. that had happened four years prior in 2011. Yeah, yeah. And the same sort of reactions as these guys were coming off the field and running into the locker room. I was in the same spot both times, and it was, it was just kind of an incredulity, uh, a, a wonder, and it was yeah. really fun to see that because they were yeah. so similar. And both times, T.J. Yates was the guy. Yeah. Under center, and they were both. And neither one of them made sense that he was under neither center time, for either one. Neither time made sense. You're right, and it was it was just such a fun, fun night. And it's it's funny how they've had that situation with Cincinnati throughout the years because then you do the thing with with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. That Thursday in 2017, night. I mean, Texans were down, man. They had gotten killed the week before, four days before, by Jacksonville, and now you're starting Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any tight ends. Yep. I mean, you're having a play guy, like offensive lineman at tight end, and he had that run, and ever since, I've never doubted him. I mean, he came into that game in 2017. He was he gets on the bus. He's wearing sunglasses, a tuxedo. It's his it was birthday. Amazing. But Cincinnati trips have been have been pretty pretty memorable. They've always been fun. Okay, Texans won there in 09. Mm-hmm. This is just my experiences. Yep. They won there in 09. They won there in 11. Such a big they game. They won there in 15. They won there in 17. They've all it, they've all been fun trips. Yeah, they've all been yeah really good trips. I I regret that I didn't make that that twenty eleven. I wish I would have been on the sidelines for that because I can awesome. just imagine well, what that was that well, was about to get to the playoffs for the first time. Let me tell you about that one. They they led that game for two seconds. It was the, the final two seconds. It's the only time they led in that entire game. They were down in it. They were kind of it was a comfortable lead for for Cincinnati, and it was late in the season. And for some reason. Cincinnati did not sell that game out. There were a lot of empty seats. It was a gorgeous, chilly day. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was cold, but it wasn't awful. Yeah. But it was sunny. And I remember I went. To, I always leave with about six, seven minutes to go in the game from the press box, come down to the field. And you know me, I'm semi-superstitious, even though it doesn't matter right. uh, on the outcome. So I I come down to the field, and that, that final drive starts, 
and I'm about at the 20, and they get the ball, they start marching down the field, and I just stay in the same spot. So I kind of have this odd perspective. Yeah. The the throw that TJ made to Owen Daniels and the catch Owen Daniels made, it's a one-handed grab. My vantage point of it, it was it was a, an amazing catch by OD because it was a one-handed grab. Yeah. He's in traffic. He's got a guy draped all over him. I mean, he hauls it in, and it it was so bang bang because it was a two minute drive that there wasn't a lot of replays on it. But the the, the image, I, I was looking right up the field at it. It was such a great catch. Yeah. And then TJ has the run where he kind of <laughs> he looks like a drunk guy. I know, you know at, at times in that run, and he scrambles, gets the first down, and the whole time this the crowd keeps getting loud and then he keeps silencing them because like he keeps right. they keep making plays right right they get a, a pi jacoby jones draws a pi that gets him in position and then it's funny i've got the picture of of the touchdown up on mm-hmm. my office wall and a couple different versions of it tj came into my office about a month or two ago he was he saw that and he's like you know on the throw before that should have been a pick six the other way and it should have killed us he, he was throwing to the right side, and he said right as he was unleashing, he slipped, and the ball did what you talked about and did the – you groaned into the – in cue. Yeah. It it skipped away, you know, it hit the dirt before, but he said had he – Had he thrown it. Thrown it the way it should have been thrown, Pac-Man Jones would have taken it six yeah. the other way. So that happens, and then he hits Walter for the touchdown, and it was just – it was so weird how it, w- it would roar and get quiet, roar and get yeah. quiet. It was – it ebbed and flowed, and they didn't even have a, a full crowd there. And then the Texans go in. They watch Drew Brees and the Saints take care of the Titans to fully clinch it. Yeah. It was a fun day. It was a fun time. If there's one moment I wish I had been on the sidelines for, actually, wish I would have been in the locker room, it was that one, the the 2011 that went over Cincinnati. There have been some great wins since then, but that one over Cincinnati is one I wish I would have been in the locker room for. To be there for the first time that they had done it, with TJ and the way that they did it, I mean, it is. It's funny how TJ Yates, assistant football coach for this team now, is involved in so many of those those moments. And there's more to our in-lab podcast. If you want to go check it out, go to our app, HoustonTexans.com. Go to our Twitter. However you know how to get it, get it. You guys probably know better than I do. But go check out in-the-lab podcast. We had a really good time with that one, and we've had some really good ones lately. So go check it out. Drew Doherty and I are in the lab. Appreciate you guys being here tonight. Got to thank the players and coaches who all contributed sound from today to Mark, to Drew, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.